Compassion for God and compassion for our neighbor. Reaching our region and beyond with the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. This is Crosswinds Church. And now, here's Pastor Kurt Truxas. It's great to have you this morning. If you're new, my name is Kurt. I'm one of the pastors here at Crosswinds. And quite honestly, it's great to have anybody this morning considering it's January 1st, and I was wondering how we were going to do. We had a really good first service and an even better second service, so this is all good. Uh, also, just be, if you guys are really like totally zoning out, I don't know if you realize this, but we have a very special brew for you at the coffee bar today. It's called Jet Fuel, and uh, it is like that. I came in the door, and I could smell it when I was over at the glass door. You tried it? Yeah, yeah. No falling asleep for you, Jared. You're totally awake for the rest of the sermon. I can guarantee that. So if you guys are dying, we have that for you. Now, prior to Christmas, we were working our way through the book of Genesis, and we'll shortly pick up in Genesis. Actually, next week, we have two more messages, and we will finish that entire book, which is a huge, long study, but it's been wonderful for us. Today, I would like to do a little something different. Well, what I want to do is I want to talk about something that is one of our core values at Crosswinds and is one of the things that is very near and dear for my heart uh, here for us as a church family and for you personally. You will consistently hear me say uh, from this stage, you know, put your finger in the text. Get your finger in the book. It may not necessarily like what we read, but it is what we need to hear. And so we want to be a church of the book. But more than just being a church of the book, my hope for you is that you are individually a person of the book. You are a man or a woman who does not just listen to the Word of God on the weekend for 40 minutes. But you are a man or a woman who opens God's Word during the week and you let God work in your heart through it. That Monday through Saturday, and if not every day of the week, most days of the week, that the Word is doing its work in your heart. You're a man or a woman who has a, what they call is a quiet time or a time of personal worship. Now you may wonder, why am I so deeply committed that we would be uh, a church that has our finger in the text? And why am I deeply committed wanting you to have your finger in this text just about every day of the week? That is what we're going to find out this morning. Well, just so you know, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be uh, just studying one chapter of the Bible. It's a psalm, a simple psalm. It's called Psalm 119. And for those of you who are familiar with Psalm 119, you're already smiling at me because you say, oh, it sounds like just a simple psalm. Yeah, but it happens to be the longest chapter in the entire Bible. It is 176 verses long. So let's start to read. No, just joking. <laughs> we are not going to read all 176 verses of Psalm 119. But it's a, why it's a long psalm, it's a psalm that is simply about one thing. It is about the greatness, the goodness, and the amazing nature of this book that we hold in our hands. It's a psalm uh, written by David, and it's, I affectionately call it the alphabet psalm. 
Now, you've heard of alphabet soup. Well, this is the alphabet song, and, and this is why we call it that. We have a 26-letter alphabet, A, B, C, D. In Hebrew, they have a 22-letter alphabet, Aleph, Bet, Gimel, Dalet, and it goes on from there. And what David did when he was inspired by God to write this psalm, he took the first eight verses, and they all begin with the Hebrew Aleph, the Hebrew A. The next eight verses all begin with the Hebrew Bet, the Hebrew B. The following eight verses all begin with the Hebrew Gimel, the letter C, if you want to call it. And he works through the entire alphabet in Hebrew with verse after verse trying to show us the greatness and goodness of the book that we have in our hands. Let me tell you what David's rhetorical strategy is as he's trying to communicate the greatness of this book. And I'll tell you, we're going to use the same rhetorical strategy. If you guys remember the uh, Gulf War that we had uh, a couple years ago, the first few days of the Gulf War were called the Shock and Awe Campaign. Remember that? Yeah. The idea was that we would sheer overwhelm people with the amount of um, munitions and armaments that would fall upon them. Now, what Psalm 19, 119 is, it's a shock and awe campaign to try and overwhelm us to understand the greatness and goodness of God's Word. 176 projectile verses to get into our thick skull why this book is incredibly good. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to uh, build our message this morning simply around the idea that we love the Word of God. We're going to look at two questions on why we love the Word of God, and we're going to look at one question on how we love the Word of God. And just about everything we are going to look at this morning will all be answered by Psalm 119, because it tells us why we love the Word and how to love the Word. So, if you have your outlines out, let's dive right in. Why we love the Bible. We love the Bible because of what it is. And the first thing we see is it is eternal. In verse 89 of Psalm 119, it says, Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. And I threw this one in for just textual decoration, another great one in the Scriptures. Isaiah 40, verse 8. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God, that is this book, will stand forever. This fall, when we were moving, I was just amazed at the amount of outdated, irrelevant information that was still part of our lives. You start to find when you empty your house, like old newspapers, you know, sale flyers, you know, buy this refrigerator now, it's on special. The problem is it was on special 10 years ago. <laughs> Why do we still have this kind of stuff? Not only that, but you start to find receipts on bills that you have paid. They're like, okay, that was, we don't even have that stuff anymore. My favorite, though, was the manuals. You know, we were real organized for a while about keeping the manuals of every product we bought, and there they were, brand pristine, new condition. The problem is we don't even own those things anymore. They've long since been in the junkyard. So we had to purge from our life all of this irrelevant and useless information that had just connected itself to us. And this is where the Bible is different. See, the Bible is not man's words. It is 
God's Word. And God's Word, the Bible says, are living and active and sharper than a double-edged sword. And when God inspired the New Testament writers to write the New Testament books, they were living and active and relevant 2,000 years ago. But they don't have an expiration date. These same words of God are used by God 2,000 years later today to create spiritual life in our hearts and to sustain and nourish spiritual life in our hearts. They are living and active. They never go out of date. And I don't know if you realize this, but whatever you learn in God's Word today will still be relevant and useful and used by God in your life until your dying day. When you are 80 and 90 years old, you will still be quoting John 3.16 that you learned when you were a child. Because God's Word never goes out of date. It's eternal. In fact, I don't know if you realize this, that in heaven and in the new heavens and in the new earth, guess what book will you still be studying? That's here. Because it is eternal. So here is the challenge you need to think about. This afternoon when you go home, I'm sure you have lots of cool stuff that, you know, you were able to acquire because it was Christmas. And you have these product manuals. And say you got a new oven for Christmas. You can go home this afternoon. You can open your manual on your new oven. You can study that manual, and it's good information. But it's time-dated information. Because 10 years from now, who cares about that new oven? It's long gone. But if this afternoon you studied God's Word, everything that God wove into your heart from it would still be, uses ten, still be useful 10 years from now, 20 years from now, until your dying day. It's eternal. The second thing we learn about God's Word is this. It has infinite value. The law of your mouth, it says in Psalm uh, 119 verse 72, the law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. It says having a, the Bible is better than winning the lottery. It's the truth. Would you rather be a poor person with your Bible or Donald Trump without a Bible? The honest answer is you are better off to be a poor person with God's Word than to be a billionaire with out God's Word, because this Word is of infinite worth. This Word tells us the truth about God. It tells us about His plans. This is how God creates spiritual life and sustains spiritual life. That is what you hold in your hand. Look what David says in verse 37. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. In life, there are a lot of things that just take our time, that chew our time up. There's time we need to spend with friends, time we need to spend with family, not necessarily bad things, time we spend studying, time we spend working. And then there's the time we spend often surfing the Internet and looking at our phone, which is usually just burning time and wasting time. And then there's the time on video games, which you wonder if that was really productive at all after a while. And so we have all these things we can put our time into that end up being useless. But what 
the Bible says is that whenever we put our time into studying God's Word, it is a useful investment of our time. That God will take His Word and He will bring it back to us and continue to use it throughout our life. So here is the question. When you go home, there is a Bible that will sit on your desk. How long will that Bible sit closed? And while that Bible is closed, what other things are you pouring your time into? Are you just frittering it away? Or are you making a good use of your time and weaving God's Word into your life? Well, we've learned that God's Word is eternal. We've learned that God's Word is of infinite value. Now we learn that God's Word is truth. The Scriptures say that, right, in Psalm 119. In verse 142, it says, Your righteousness is righteous forever, because your law, that is this, is true. And then in verse 29, Put false ways far, far from me, and graciously teach me your law. Well, if you were like me, in this past election season, you were extremely frustrated with the media. I got an amen on that one. There you go. Well, the, the truth is, the media had a lot of spin in it. And from both parties, both ways, you know, people are not just giving you the information, but they're telling you what you should think about the information. And after a while, you just end up frustrated. Just somebody tell me the truth. I want to really know the truth so I can think for myself and make my own decisions. And it's very hard just to get the truth. But then comes the Bible. And the Bible says this about itself. It is the ultimate no-spin zone. That what you have in your hands is the absolute unvarnished truth. It tells us the truth of what the problem is in this world. It is not that your inner child was not well fed when you were little. The problem is sin. The problem is that sin lives in our hearts. And the solution is not who is in the White House. The solution is not winning the lottery. The solution is Jesus Christ. It tells us the unvarnished truth, what we need to hear. So that's what we have. So if you want to know how to make right decisions in life, and you want to know the truth about what reality is, and what the, how to solve things in your life, it's right here. Next thing we learn is this. This word is our protection in times of trouble. Psalm 119, verse 143 says, Trouble and anguish have found me out, but your commandments are my delight. He says when he's going through trouble and anguish, what he needs is this book, which is his delight in those hard times. Or in verse 114, You are my hiding place my shield, and I hope in your word. So when life falls apart, what is it that God uses as the shield that protects us in those tough times? What is it that God uses to give us hope in those tough times? The New York Times? Mm, Jared says no. Thank you. It's this book. This book is how God holds us together. Now, let me just do a little audience, a little test here. How many of you have ever been through a time where your life completely and totally fell apart? 
Okay, those of you who don't have your hands up, just wait. It is coming. Happens to all of us. Now here's the next question. Be honest. In the time when your life fell apart, did God use this book like duct tape to hold you together? If that is true, raise your hand. See? This book is duct tape. It's how God holds us together when life falls apart. The last thing I want to point out for you of what this book is, it is our joy. Verse 111 of Psalm 19 says this, Your testimonies are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. Or in verse 103, How sweet are your words to my taste. They are sweeter than honey to my mouth. Now why do I say that this book is our joy? Here's the deal. The book tells us about our problem, which is sin, but it also tells us about God's wonderful solution, which is that He sent His Son to die on the cross in your place for your sins. There is nothing you can do to deserve it, and all you can do is receive the goodness of His gift and ask Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life. And then God's Holy Spirit comes into you and He begins to change you and work with you and He adopts you as His Son. This is incredibly good news. And my friends, this book tells us that not only is our, are our sins completely and fully forgiven by Jesus, not only are we adopted as brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ through God's incredible love that we don't deserve, but it tells us in the book of Ephesians, for instance, that we are, by God's gift and grace, the most blessed beings in the entire universe for all of eternity through Jesus Christ that we don't deserve. Now, if that doesn't give you joy to know that your identity moves from being someone who fully deserves conscious, never-ending punishment for your sin to instead being replaced with being the most blessed beings in the entire universe with Christ and under Christ, adopted as brothers and sisters of God Himself, I don't know what else could give you joy. I mean, you think you need a new Escalade to have joy. What you need is the Bible and to simply read its message. So let me just summarize this up. What is God's Word? Number one, it's eternal. It has no expiration date. It is always relevant to our lives. It's of infinite value. It is better than winning the lottery. If you have this book, it is better than the winning lottery ticket. It is the absolute truth. It is the no-spin zone about life. It is how God holds us together in the tough times. It is the duct tape He uses to keep our world together. And it is our joy because it tells us our identity and who we are through Jesus that we don't deserve. That is what the Bible is. Now let's move on to this next question on why we love this book. Let's see what the Bible does. We love the Bible because of what it does. And this is why I am so passionate that you would have your finger in this book during the week, not just for 40 minutes on the weekend. The first thing we see in Psalm 119 is this. It brings happiness. Did you know that? Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. 
Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart. This word blessed literally means happy. You know, if you need to understand that your happiness in this life is directly tied to having God's word, to taking in God's word, and to obeying God's word. Now, I'm not saying that this means that we go through instant, trouble-free, carefree lives when we have God's Word. I know that life has trials, of course. But the happiness of our life is based on our obedience to God's words. The best thing I could do to make you happy today is not to give you Prozac. It is to get your finger in this text every single morning you will become a much happier person in this world. Number two, this word, it brings cleansing from sin. Now, by the way, I told you I could do this whole thing out of Psalm 119. If you want to know the two verses in Psalm 119 that talk about this, they're verse 32 of Psalm 119 and verse 45. So if you want to write those down. But I thought I'd pull this particular point out of Ephesians chapter 5 and sort of an ancillary note here, which I thought was really cool. It says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, so that she might be holy and without blemish. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. But what did Christ do? He didn't just love the church and die for the church, but then he goes and he cleanses the church to make her pure and free without any spot or wrinkle or blemish. He beautifies her. And how does he do this? By the washing of water through the Word. That God uses this book in our lives to pry the tentacles of sin out of our life. If you are somebody this morning who is struggling with an addiction, you are struggling with a sinful lust, I don't know what it may be in your life, but you know what it is because the Holy Spirit has His finger on your heart right now. You need to understand the way that those sinful tendencies and desires are beaten is by getting yourself in the Word of God. You may be somebody in deep struggles. You may need to read the Word of God in the morning before you leave for work and then turn around when you get home and put your finger in the text again when you get home from work. Immerse yourself in this book and you will find God will break the tentacles of sin off of your heart. He'll cleanse you. Now, by the way, let me speak to those of us who are seasoned Christians. Because what you will discover is there are these times in our lives where we start to drift back to old sinful desires that we thought were long dead and gone. Anybody ex experience that? Amen. Yes, we all do. But if you look closely you'll find when you drift back to those old sinful ways, it's also because you've drifted away from a regular time in the Word of God. 
And when you root yourself back in the Word of God, God reorientates you and cleanses you and helps pull those things out of our life. Third thing we find that the Word of God does, it brings life and success. Verse 9 of Psalm 118 says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. Or verse 80, May my heart be blameless in your statutes, <laughs> that I may not be put to shame, or therefore so I would not be put to shame. Everybody would love to have success. Everybody would love to have life go right. But the Bible is saying that in a general pattern of way, that when we keep our finger in this text, life usually goes well. Now, I'm not saying that we won't have trials or there won't be difficulties. Of course we have those seasons and in those ways. But God honors those who honor Him. And as we spend our time in the Word, we make right decisions, we make wise decisions. Now, in particular, I would like to talk to young men. You say, well, what are the young men? In my mind, a young man is anyone from the age of 15 to the age of 50. Because what happens, men, as you get older, is you just discover there is more and more weight and responsibility that is pressed onto your shoulders. More people become dependent upon you and connected to you. Maybe at first you go off to college, and now all of a sudden it's up to you to make sure you study because mom is no longer there to tell you to do it. Then when you get through college, you meet a girl, and all of a sudden you marry that girl. And now there's not just yourself to care for, but there's somebody else to care for. And then all of a sudden these little kids start coming along, and it's not just yourself and your wife, but it's all of your children that are now connected to you and looking to you for leadership. And then you take on more responsibility at work and more people and more weight is put on you at work. And as all this increasing pressure ends up on your shoulders, what you will discover is there are increasing ways that you discover that you can totally ruin everything. Workaholism becomes a, a dominant trait or a dominant um, temptation in your life. You try to struggle to balance, but how much family and how much work? Then there's going to be the idea, there's opportunities for lust that will come your way. And here's what happens, is once you have more and more weight on your shoulders, if you choose to blow it, many other people suffer. Young men who all of a sudden blow it in big ways, they hurt not just their wife, they hurt their children, they hurt their legacy. How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to this word. Young men, get your finger in this book every single morning. Because there is going to be a wife that depends on your leadership. Children that will depend on your leadership. Employees that will look to your leadership. You want to steer that ship straight? Put your finger in the text. That's what God will do. It's the secret to life and success. Number four, what else does it do? It gives guidance for life's decisions. Verse 105 of Psalm 119 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. 
this world is very complicated. There's a lot of tough decisions we have to make. When you're young, you find yourself uh, having to decide, you know, where am I going to go to school? Big decision. A lot of ramifications that follow it. Who am I going to date? <laughs> you marry somebody who's really far from God, there's a lot of ramifications that go with that. What am I going to do for work? How am I going to spend my time with my family at home? These are all big decisions that are in our life. But a lot of people struggle to make them and to make them wisely. And the reason they struggle is because they don't know which way to turn. But the Bible says it's a light to our path. It shows us the way that we should go. It guides us and informs us to make wise and good decisions in life. The best analogy I could think of is uh, I was riding back from Rock Rapids the other night. And we were in that section from Sibley to Lake Park where, of course, there's no street lights out there, and there's that section where there's not even, like, lights from farms on the sides. It's like just total pitch darkness. And all I have is the light of my headlights. I'm like, what would happen as I'm doing 60 miles an hour if my headlights went out? Unless I got that car stopped, it would only be a matter of moments until I made a wreck of my life. And even if I did get the car stopped and had no headlights to be able to see which way to go, it would be very difficult to make wise decisions to make any progress. What this Bible is saying is living life without God's Word is like driving from Sibley to Lake Park at night without your headlights. You cannot see clearly to make wise decisions. And it's very easy to make an incredible wreck of everything. Get ourselves into this text. Number five, this text gives peace in place of anxiety. Verse 165, great peace have those who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. Or verse 92, if your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. Life is very stressful. It is hard to handle. Now, I don't know if this has ever happened to you. I'm going to do a little audience test here again. But have you found that in times of anxiety and stress, you can go to God's Word, you can read it and pray, and have an overwhelming sense of peace that comes over you? Has anybody experienced that? Anybody? Well, let's just say, for those of you who haven't experienced that, <laughs> look around. When you face those times of overwhelming anxiety, God will use His Word to replace anxiety with peace. He's done it in my life. He's done it in many of our lives. So, let's look at what God's Word does. It gives us happiness. It gives us freedom from the power of sin. It is the key in this life to success and how a young man can keep his way pure. It illuminates us. It's what God uses to help us make good decisions and it replaces peace with anxiety. So these are why we love this book. Now, in Psalm 119, it doesn't just tell us why we love this book because of what it is, because of what it does, but it also tells us how to love this book. Now, guys, isn't that great when your wife tells you, this is what makes me feel loved? You know, you know how to love her? Well, 
This is, it tells us how to treat our Bible. Number one, study it. It says, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. In Psalm 119, verse 15. And it says, my eyes are awake before the watches of the night that I may, notice this, meditate on your promise. And what I want you to notice is it doesn't just say that I may read my Bible. It very specifically says the word meditate. Reading is what you do in a newspaper where you skim it quickly to get a little bit of information out of it. Meditate is when you take something slowly. You read it again. You read it a second time. You read it a third time. You think about what you're reading. You take a highlighter and you color that section of the verse that really stood out to you. You take a pencil and you write in the margin. You take a notebook and you copy that verse down because the simple process of going through your hand weaves that verse tighter into your heart and helps that truth of the Scripture connect with your soul. So, let me just tell you uh, how I study the Bible. This may work for some of you. This may not work for some of you. But the key thing is we don't just read it. We meditate. We study. We digest it. Many of you know that I use a simple program called Logos. You can go to Logos.com and look it up. It allows me to have my Bible and like 4,000 of my books on my phone, my app, my desktop. And what's really cool is I can highlight the verses I read it, and it goes across all my platforms. I can put sticky notes in the margins, and the best part about electronic sticky notes is they can be really long. They take up the same amount of space. And so my Bible, if you've ever seen it, I've shown it to my class sometimes, it's just covered in colors and sticky notes and things like this, because that's how you meditate on God's Word. I also use another app called Day One, which is simply just a little journaling app. So I have like my Bible on the left side of my screen, my Day One app on the right side of my screen, and I'm copying things and typing and writing my notes and my prayers because it helps me meditate on God's Word. And that's how we're to treat this book. Second thing, Psalm 119 tells us to obey it. I hasten and do not delay, David says, to keep your commands in verse 60 of 119. And then in verse 33, he says, Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes. I will keep it to the end. And what I want you to notice is David does not say, You know what? I should obey your word. David very clearly says, I will obey your word. In fact, he says in here, teach me more of your word so I can obey more of your word. For most of us, the question is, I know what the Bible says, but I don't want to do what the Bible says. Why do we wrestle with that question while David's never questioned obedience? It was an automatic response to this book. The reason that we question obedience is because we have too low of a view of the Scriptures. We subconsciously believe that these are man's words or someone's outdated opinion rather than the eternal Word of God that is of infinite value that tells us the un, 
unadulterated truth that we need to hear about life. When we have a higher opinion of God's Word, our automatic response is obedience to God's Word. And by the way, just so you know, obedience to God's Word, even when it's hard, always leads to blessing from God in this life. And the next life, of course. Number three, how are we to treat this word? We are to memorize it. Verse 11 tells us this. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And verse 16 says, I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Now, why is it so incredibly important that we memorize this book? The reason is, when we memorize verses, and even if we don't memorize verses, we have at least sound bites and parts of verses woven into our heart, you will find that the Holy Spirit surfaces those in your mind as you face temptations and as you face situations. And when you need encouragement in your walk with Christ, the Word of God will come back to mind. And God uses it to sustain you and to guide you. This is one of the reasons I love our midweek Awana program. Because the kids are learning and memorizing God's Word in their heart. And the Word of God that they are learning when they are four, five, or whatever, sorry, they're older than that, eight, nine years old, is words that are living and active, and God will use it in their lives to their dying day. The Holy Spirit will bring it back to their mind. Number four. We are commanded to enjoy this word. Verse 47 says, I find my delight in your commandments, which I love. Verse 162 says, I rejoice at your word like one who finds great spoil. Many of us are tempted to think that God's word is just drudgery. And it's like, oh, it's so hard to get up and read my Bible. God's Word is not drudgery. My friends, it is delight. Now, let's be honest. Are there parts of God's Word that are hard to understand? Of course. Are there parts of God's Word that we may read out of duty, like for years, and not quite get it, then all of a sudden, a decade or two decades after we walked with Christ, all of a sudden, God puts the light on, and we connect it course. Let me give you an example. If you were here on Christmas Eve, I did something that totally freaked a bunch of you out at the beginning. I preached from the genealogy of Jesus Christ. And I remember when I started to talk about this on Christmas Eve, I could see like the entire front row was like, like, what are you doing preaching from the genealogy? But as we went through the genealogy, you see, when I studied it, all of a sudden it connected with me. I'd read it many times, and I realized that this was all about Jesus coming from a great line of sinners for a great line of sinners. And all of a sudden the light goes on, and we're like, oh, that is so cool. God, I am so encouraged by your word. So enjoy his word and let it do work in your life. Number five. The worship team loves this one. Sing God's Word. 
Verse 54, your statutes have been my songs in the house of my sojourning. And verse 172, my tongue will sing of your word, for all your commandments are right. What this is saying is that we should be singing God's word. Now, it doesn't say that the only thing we can sing in church is God's word. I understand that. But the best thing we can sing is God's words put to music. And here's why. When we sing something, God uses a melody to weave into our hearts the lyrics, doesn't he? So we remember them. But if the lyrics that are woven into our hearts are God's words, what the Bible says are living and active and sharper than a double-edged sword, God, we have used a song to commit that word to heart, which God promises to use. Great stuff to sing God's words. Last thing this morning. How are we supposed to treat God's word? We are to ask God for help to understand it. Verse 18, open my eyes that I may behold the wondrous things out of your law. In verse 34, give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Now for those of you who are seasoned Christians, this may be one of the first things that connects with you, but it's extremely practical. As I did my study on Psalm 119, what really struck me is that this theme comes out at least six, probably eight, maybe more verses. I didn't write down every single one where David is constantly pleading with God, help me understand your word. I read it. Many times I don't get it, but I know that you open my eyes and all of a sudden it connects. What this is saying is that, folks, before we go to read this book, we are to come to God in prayer saying, open our eyes to understand your word. As we read this book, when we come across things we don't understand, we are to turn to God in prayer. After we read this book, we turn to God in prayer, asking Him to open our hearts up. And you will be amazed at what happens and how God applies this word to your life through our time in prayer. Now, my goal this morning was to just cherry-pick a bunch of key verses out of Psalm 119 just to sort of let this overwhelm you on what God's Word is, how it is eternal and of infinite value, and what God's Word does, and how it cleanses us, and how it gives us life and health, and how to take it in, to meditate on it, to study it, to sing it. And after you see all the benefits that this book has for us and how essential it is for your life, I simply want to ask you this question. How can we be ever content to only study it for 40 minutes one day a week? You see why I say it is my goal in prayer that you and me in this book every single day of the week? I told you I was going to close with a challenge. And let me just tell you the challenge. We're doing this across both campuses, Pastor Jordan and I. We've called it a take up and read challenge. And if we figured this, that if you were to take the New Testament and you were to read one chapter a day, Monday through Friday, you would read the entire New Testament in one year. Our challenge to you is this. 
that you would take up and read this book during the week, Monday through Friday. You'll notice that in your, bullet, in your bulletins, I put a little bookmark, and we're going to update these. But this is a bookmark that shows you how this first quarter of the reading plan takes place. Would you take this reading plan, and would you commit to reading through the New Testament with your church family one chapter a day, Monday through Friday through the year? Also in the back, I want you to notice, if you're one of those like young tech, text-savvy people, it would be helpful if we sent you a text message at 6 a.m. each morning telling you what to read. We will do that for you. Text the word CROSSWINDS to 41411 and you will be subscribed to a text messaging list, which you can, of course, get yourself off of if you don't want it. But it will give you the text of the day, Monday through Friday at 6 a.m. My friends, my prayer is that we would be people of the book who don't just keep our finger in this text on the weekends, but every day of the week. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we thank you for the great benefits of your word and for what it is and how you use it to guide us, to purify us, to cleanse us. We know that it says in 2 Timothy that faith is created by hearing the word and that our faith is sustained by being in the Word. So may we be people of the book, so we can know Jesus and follow Him well. Heavenly Father, we thank You for giving us such a wonderful blessing in our hands that is worth far more than many pieces of silver and gold. That what we have in our hands is better than winning the lottery itself. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. This has been a presentation of Crosswinds Church. More of Pastor Kurt's sermons can be found online at crosswinds.tv. Thanks for being with us, and may God continue to enrich your life.